All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. You couldn't have scripted better conference finals for the NHL. So let's dig into it with the lead. We, we are absolutely not going to talk about the conference finals to start today's show. I'm just kidding. Uh, welcome into Oilers Nation every day, live from the Sports Closet studio. You can check them out online at sportscloset.ca or one of their three locations in Edmonton, St. Albert Mall, Sherwood Park Mall or Kingsway Mall, should have said the Edmonton area. We are live on the Oilers Nation YouTube where Viperisk is in with the first comment of the day and he says, game day. Oh, wait. Yeah, not not a game day for the Oilers. I think we're probably about a 100 and some days away from our next Edmonton Oilers regular season game day. Parallax is in and says, I think what people need to keep in mind is that the Oilers went 24-6-3 since March. That doesn't seem like cause for concern heading into next season for me personally. And yeah, I think that's actually pretty fair. I think, you know, when when a team loses in tough fashion the way they did, the way the Oilers got eliminated, I think you're probably going to get a lot of people who want them to overreact and want them to blow up this team. And the reality is, if you're holding your breath waiting for seismic changes to this Oilers roster this summer, I mean, you're going to be holding your breath for a hundred and some days until the next regular season. Like, it's just, it's not going to happen. I think if you're in the chat hoping that, you know, there's going to be a major $6 million plus piece added. If you're waiting for Eric Carlson or some impact top six winger, Timo Meyer, someone like that, I, I think you're going to be disappointed. I think there's going to be a couple of fringe moves made. I think they're going to give this group and the supporting cast. When I say supporting cast, I'm not talking about the Nuges, the Hymans, the Canes, and 
you know, the ECOMs, nurses, whatever. I'm talking about that next layer down. I think we're going to see, see changes to that group there and probably not a whole heck of a lot else. Let's, we'll talk today about the free agent market and things like that. There was a great piece up at uh, dailyfaceoff.com from Frank Saravalli talking about, you know, the free agent market and what people should kind of expect. Uh, but first, I want to bring in my pal, Liam Horobin, who yesterday went toe-to-toe with Matt Wozniak in their men's league soccer. And you came out on the wrong end of it, Liam. Sorry to hear. Yeah. Came out on the wrong side of it, but a uh, shout out for Watt to Waz for giving us a penalty in the game. That was very nice of you to do that for us. Next time, uh, I think we'll have that number. Now, the first game's always a test to Tyler. The yeah. second game is when it really, really matters. Yeah, I heard Waz made the most of his three minutes on the field. So big shout out to our boy Waz for uh, really contributing in that head-to-head matchup. Uh, all jokes, though. Uh, over in the chat, Kurtiman is in and says, go get Carson Susie." Hey, we'll talk about that a little bit here. Um, people want me to join the Discord. Eh, I don't understand how that app works. Brian Wood says, Connor Brown and Scott Mayfield need to be Oilers after July 1st. Pradneski still upset about the season ending. He says, so basically, if the oil showed up against Vegas, we'd be playing Bobrovsky in the finals. Why? Yeah, it, uh, I mean, Liam, we hit on that. Not to dig too deep into the past and being eliminated, But in the moment, we were well aware the West was wide open. And then you saw Boston, Tampa, Toronto get knocked off. And then it was like, holy shit, the whole league was wide open there. Yeah, the West was uh, kind of fell apart early, didn't it? And it seemed like the Oilers really had an opportunity to go and do something special. But evidently, Vegas is showing how good of a hockey team they actually are right now. up 3-0 on the Dallas Stars. And I thought this series series would be a lot closer, but Dallas really hasn't shown up. You yeah. need your goalie to be your best player some nights, and Jake Ottinger got pulled pulled last night, right? And I think that's kind of a similar situation to what the Oilers ran into is the goaltender wasn't good enough when they really, really needed him to be. And obviously the Jamie Benn uh, five-minute major wasn't ideal for them either. But yeah, I think it is a bit of a missed opportunity for the Oilers because now you look at Vegas up 3 nothing, It could be in their spot, but... Could be two years in a row that the Oilers get eliminated by the future Stanley Cup champions. Yeah, that, and that's actually a great point as well. Uh, I'll get your thoughts on Jamie Benn in a second, but first, for anyone who watched Stuart Skinner in the playoffs and had any sort of concern about his ability to be this franchise's goalie of the future and starting goalie next year, look no further than Jake Ottinger. And, that, and that's a guy who had playoff experience coming into this year and has mm. still struggled in this playoff run. Stuart Skinner is absolutely going to be fine. The playoffs are very difficult. The playoffs are very difficult on young goalies and the struggles we're seeing with Ottinger kind of similar. I mean, Skinner, you could argue, is actually not quite this bad either. So um, that's interesting. Jamie Benn said uh, today in speaking to the media, says he wished he wouldn't have fallen on stone and used his stick as a landing point. That's interesting because you just cross-checked him in the face, dude. Don't try to play it off as some kind of an accident. I think they give him two games. Also, this gem of a tweet from Frank, absolutely <laughs> hilarious. Liam, how many games do you think they give Jamie Ben? I'll be honest. I didn't think they were going to give him any games. I thought the way the penalty was in the first like two minutes of the game was kind of like, okay, that's your game punishment in a way. And not because I don't think he deserves getting suspended. I just think the NHL Department of Player Safety is an absolute joke. Um, I think he'll get one game now that he actually has a hearing because Alex Petrangelo, to me, like they're both in there as intent to hurt. I think in the moment, Jamie Ben, 
you kind of have that moment of like, okay, I'm doing this, yeah. I guess, where like Petrangelo was a well-thought-out process and he still only got one game. So I think he'll get one, but I am genuinely surprised he is getting a hearing. I thought his game suspension was essentially last game when they got absolutely thumped by it too. So I'll meet you in the middle and I'll say he gets one game. I think in a 3 nothing series, you can very easily take that guy out of game four. It's fine. Mm-hmm. It'd be understood. That's intent to injure. That's on a star player. I, I think you can give him a game there, no problem. Um, Dr. Gonzo calls Ben an absolute disgrace. Uh, Odin says it would be hideous to hear that Eichel won a cup first. Listen, Liam, we're firmly rooting for Florida, right? Even though Matt Kajuk's yeah. on that side of the matchup, if it's a Florida-Vegas final, we want the Cats to win. Yeah, we are We are all in on the Florida Panthers in this podcast, I think, Tyler. like. I hope Vegas never win a game again in their entire history. So, yeah, I'm all Good in point. on Florida. I could care less if Matthew Kachuk's on the team. Honestly, Matthew Kachuk has nothing yep. to do with me anymore. Carolina can't win it because obviously 06. Dallas, I know there's some demons here. And also Vegas being Vegas. How about the guy Vegas. who threw popcorn on Aiden Hill yesterday? I yeah, and then the stars. after. And the stars, like, uh, released a statement apologizing. Yeah, Aiden Hill said everything was hitting me tonight. I, I like that. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So three nothing in both conference finals. Let's talk some Edmonton Oilers, though, and get to our Sherwood forward giant offseason question for the day. And it's this, Liam. We've been talking a little bit of free agency last week. Frank Cervalli had his top 10 and we talked about if there were maybe some potential fits in that top 10 for the Oilers. The way I come out on that top 10, and we can flash up the first five here, Aaron, as well as their projected contracts. Frank partnered up with AFP Analytics to give a projected contract for every free agent on his list. I don't think any of these guys are fits. Damon Severson's too expensive. I like Bertuzzi. I like Orlov. Too expensive. I don't like Comfer. I don't like bunting it north of 5 million bucks. I don't see any fits here. Uh, Number six through 10. Graves shoots left and he's expensive. Killorn is old. You don't want to touch that. Patrick Kane, I think he's going to go to Buffalo, also pretty expensive. Ryan O'Reilly, probably going Toronto or St. Louis. I don't see him as a fit here. Gavrikov, shoots left, not a fit here. I don't see a fit in the top 10, Liam, correct? No, I I think everyone's out of the price range for the Oilers, unfortunately. I don't think there'll be many huge names coming through the door this summer. Yeah. Um, So that brings us to kind of the next tier and uh, bear with us. If you're watching on the stream, we'll get your thoughts on some players kind of as we go through the list, but I want to work my way through the next 40 with you here today on the show, Liam, because it's the off season. And this is what we do. Tristan (laughs) Jari being projected at four by 4.8. My initial reaction is why couldn't he have been a free agent last year? That guy instead of Jack Campbell probably would have been would have been preferred, man. History here. He loves Edmonton, even though he only spent his junior days here. He still comes back a lot. He would have been an awesome fit, but the Oilers are locked in with their goalies. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I kind of saw that name too, and I was like, damn, if that was one year sooner, that would have been a nice one. Like you said, the, the Oil Kings connection there. The trouble with him is his health, right? He seems to be injured yeah. fairly often, but when he's on his game, he is... He's a fantastic goaltender, and the tandem between him and Stuart Skinner would be just delightful. But yeah. we probably won't uh, get Jordan, it. Jordan Stahl probably stays in Carolina. Vlad Tarasenko, don't see him as a great fit here just because I think he's hungry to stay in a big American market. Max Pacioretty, one-year 1. 1.5, man. You bonus that guy up. Some team's going to get a potential 35 to 40 goal guy in Pacioretty for dirt cheap next season. 
I don't think it'll be Edmonton. He's American born. I know he's had the experience with Montreal playing in Canada. I just see this guy doing like the LA, Tampa, maybe back to Carolina thing. I really don't think Pacioretty's coming north. No, as much as I would like that too, I just, I can't see it at all. Like he's already, he's already been down there in Vegas and Carolina now. Like just doesn't feel like a fit, unfortunately. Yeah, uh, Max Domi, I know that's your boy, Liam. I love the style of player. Mm-hmm. I think some team is going to regret paying him close to $5 million and $25 million total over the course of that contract. He's a third liner. He's not worth that kind of money. Uh, yeah, I think that team's going to be the Chicago Blackhawks, honestly. I know it's, he, he's made it yeah. very obvious that he enjoyed playing with Luke Richardson there. So I think he'll just go back. And again, we said it yesterday, Chicago needs NHL players. Yeah, Les is in and says, I wouldn't mind Domi in the bottom six. Put him on the right mm. side to replace Yamo in the top six. I, I'm not paying Domi that kind of money. I'm sorry. There are better options out there who can be more impactful for the Oilers. Also, he's a center or a left wing. Yeah, putting him on his off wing and committing that kind of money just feels like uh, like a bit of a mistake here. Let's go to uh, the next five lists names on Frank Cervalli's list. Barbashev, 4 by 4.2 left winger, not a fit. Scott Mayfield's the one, though, Liam. I mean, there's two here that are going to be our big targets. If you can free up money by moving Yamo and CeCe, that's $6.3 million. If the duo of Mayfield and Connor Brown costs you seven, you've spent $900,000 more, and I think your team is much, 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 much better. Those two are the fits. Those are, if I'm given my dream targets, your M, you could put a little thing at the top, your M Chuck's dream free agent targets, the list goes Mayfield, Connor Brown. Yeah, they they both make the team better in in many ways. And yeah, for Connor Brown, I'd like to see the number go down a little bit, but also I think that's still reasonable value considering you pay in Yamamoto only $200,000 less, right? So you get a little bit more out of Connor Brown. What do you think of a dad of Tyler? Like at that value for one year, like maybe he's like a good stopgap player until maybe more money gets freed up and the cap goes up a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I, I've heard he's kind of been impressing people outside of uh, outside. He's with the Stars right now, not the Golden Knights. He's been impressing people during the Stars playoff run here. He's got four goals in 16 games. This season, he scored seven goals in 73 games. He's a player who's mm. just an absolute roller coaster. If he's 1.5 million, I don't dislike it. But here's what I'll say. If the Oilers go, like, Dadanov can't be the Yamo replacement. And I don't like Dadanov as a... Yanmark replacement. I think you want to get someone who's good on the penalty kill, solid defensively. I I think some team will like the chance they take on Dadnov. I just don't know if the Oilers are a fit because he seems a little bit too one-dimensional for what they need in the bottom six. Yeah, I think uh, the Yanmark is kind of like someone like Yanmark is someone they want to find in the bottom six again this year. Someone on that low-end contract maybe slips through the gaps a little bit. Pick him up later in the later in the free agency period, and I don't know. I could see Dadnov, somebody in in the U.S., maybe Southern U.S., picking him up again. Connor Brown, four years by three point three million. We got a comment in the chat here from Doctor Gonzo who says, "Isn't Brown a band aid?" Okay, so he blew out his knee in the fourth game of this <clears throat> season. Not ideal. I don't know if that's necessarily an injury that's going to linger all too much, though. He's taken; he'll have basically a full year to recover from it. That doesn't worry me. 
before this past season. Last year with Ottawa, he did get banged up a little bit, only played 64 games. Year before that, he played all 56 games before uh, the season got canceled. Year before that, all 71. Year before that, or sorry, 56 games was the shortened year. Um, So he played every game that year. Year before that, he played all 71 before the season got canceled. Three years before that, 82, 82, 82. He was actually very good at staying healthy earlier in his career. He's 29 years old now, so maybe there's a bit of concern, but I don't think his injury or his health history is like a major red red flag or a reason why you don't sign the guy. I think the projected contract at at 3.3 million over four years, it's a little rich for my liking. I would do three by three. I would do three by 3.2, 3.3. Sure, that fourth year seems like a bit much considering he's 29, but also... Maybe you can convince him to take the one-year deal. Say, hey, we're going to give you one year at two and a half mil. We'll bonus it up. If you score 25 goals, you're going to make four. And then we'll let you hit the open market and get four by 4.5 next year. Get even more money on top of what we paid you for the one year. One season, rebuild your value next to Connor McDavid, who you played with in junior. I wonder if maybe the Oilers could convince him to take a one-year reset-your-value type thing. And there are wingers above him on this list in the market that other contenders will likely go after first. I think teams will look at a Max Pacioretty type if they want to go on the rebound from an injury type angle. I think maybe there's a chance the Oilers could convince him to take a lesser deal. I got a feeling that uh, our Connor might have been on the phone to Mr. Brown already and had a conversation about what's going to happen on July 1st. You always were interested last summer too, so we'll see. We'll see what happens. Yeah. Um, I think committing four years to him is a lot. Someone else put in in the Mm. chat... Adara said, you need Brown on a short-term contract. I don't know if the Oilers are in a position to give him term with Lavoie and Borgo making their way up the system. I think that's a great point, too. I think three years is the most I'd be willing to go with Connor Brown. So if there was a bidding war, if he says, hey, I'm not taking the one or two-year deal, I'd go three by 3.3 is kind of my max offer for Connor Brown. And if he doesn't take that, I think I might look elsewhere. The uh, Christopher Palmer asked in the chat, do you think McDavid and Dreisaitl get a voice in recruiting? Hasn't Ken Holland come out and basically said like he talks to his players about where the yep. team needs to fill holes and guys like that? So it's a hundred percent that that happens. Yeah, I, I know they were kind of consulted ahead of the trade deadline too about a couple of moves. So yeah, they they definitely have a say in what the Oilers are going to do in their exit interviews. I'm sure there's chats during the summer about like potential fits and things like that. Ken Holland would 100% be talking to those guys. Uh, Freddie Anderson, Mm. no, that's the rest of this list of five. Connor Brown and Scott Mayfield headline the list. Dream right winger, dream right defenseman for me when we're looking at free agent options. Here's the thing, though, Liam. I don't know if the Oilers are going to be able to fill both those spots in free agency. I think there might be a little bit of like, you might need to trade Yamamoto in a deal to get a right D. We talked about DeMello. Or maybe you need to move CeCe to a team who has an extra middle six forward, is looking to shed cap, and wants a D-man. I actually think it might be tough to just straight-up cap dump both CC and Yamamoto. Yeah, I was kind of playing around this morning on Cap Friendly, the GM thing you can do there, and trying to put together a roster. And yeah, it was it was difficult to try and stay under the cap. Obviously, that's not including the potential of the cap going up this summer, but... Yeah. yeah, you might have to maybe even keep one of those two guys just until the deadline and figure it out from there as the season goes on. Like Your roster doesn't have to be perfect on opening night. It just has to be perfect on the tra- after the trade deadline, right? That's kind of when you 
you need to know you've got your strongest team available to you, at least obviously avoiding injuries. So, yeah, I think out of those two, like, I think I would rather move a Yamamoto and try and strengthen the defense than lose yeah. a Cody CC to strengthen the forward group. Yep. Uh, let's go to the next kind of rung of players here. Carson Soucy at the top. He is a left D, but he can play the right side. And that projected contract, Liam, sounds very good to me. Basically, the Brett Kulak deal for 250K less and a year less as well. If I would go three, I would almost go three by three for a guy like Carson Soucy. Again, not an ideal, ideal fit because he is a left shot, but he is good enough playing the right side. He's strong enough on that end of things. Alberta boy, tall, physical, rugged D-man. Three by 2.5, sign me up for Carson Soucy. Yeah. That'd be a that'd be a decent one for me too, especially on that you know you can play both sides. I think if you're this, you'd need that flexibility, right? They tried to do it with Brett Kulak a little bit this season too, and he did well. But I think Jay Woodcroft has proven throughout the year he likes to have the flexibility with just the seven defensemen, obviously. So Susie Susie would be in my range too. I'm not sure of how much yeah. though, maybe around what it is there. Okay. Brett Kulak has three years left at 2.75. If for whatever reason there was a team out there who loved Brett Kulak and they're willing to give you a second rounder in this year's draft for him, I know Aaron's pissed, but like it's a question. I'm not saying I'd do it. Are you a better or a worse team if you sign Susie to this deal and trade Kulak for a second rounder? Susie in a second or Kulak? It's an interesting idea. It's an interesting thought process. Um, I... I don't know. I guess stick with what you know. I think you probably are better with yep. Brett Kulak, to be honest. I think he has a bit more offensive upside, which obviously his team wants to play high offense hockey every minute of the game. So, yeah, I think you would keep a, a Kulak. However, like I don't think it would be like a massive downgrade if you did that, and it would definitely bring more defense to the team, I guess you could say. Now that Kulak doesn't, but he, Susie would be a more defense-focused type player. Yeah, I'm not sure if Susie is a full-on CC replacement just because, mm. again, you want to flip that guy to the right side and play him against the other team's best. I'd, I'd be hesitant to do that, but he'd be an interesting complimentary piece on this blue line. Radko Gudis being projected to make more than three mil at 32 years old, I think is a mistake. I think if his foot speed takes even the slightest step back, you're going to see that guy really, really struggle. He doesn't face high-quality competition all that often. I don't see Radko Gudis as a good fit. People have wondered about Eric Halla. I don't see Eric Halla as a very good fit. He shoots left, plays center left wing. You need right wingers. He played with a lot of skill this year and only scored 17 goals. Like, that's good, but I'm not giving that guy $3.5 million on a three-year deal. I go after Connor Brown. I don't go after Eric Halla. Uh, Matt mm-hmm. Dumba at a projected $4.4 million. I'm not overly interested in that. I, I think that's just a bit too rich for my liking. He's chaotic. I don't think he's a guy who calms down a Darnell Nurse pairing. Aiden Hill, Oilers aren't in the market for goaltending. Do you disagree with me on the Gudis Hala Dumba takes? No, I, I definitely don't. And I think just to, I guess, dress Eric Hala, I've seen his name out there a little bit too. Like, don't you just want Ryan McLeod to play your third line center role? And if he's not playing third line center, let him play left wing. You're also paying him $2 million less more than likely than what you would pay in Eric Hala. So I'd be out on that guy. Gudis, I feel like he's just going to be the one guy this this free agency class that gets overpaid, to be honest, and someone regrets it in a year. Dumba, a little bit too chaotic, and 
Apparently, Aiden Hill is one of the best goalies in the NHL right now. So, I mean, $3.3 million for that guy. Someone's getting a steal. But, yeah, I don't think it'll be the, the Oilers by any means. Yeah, our pal Adarath put in there. Is he adding millions to his contract with his current play in the conference finals? Probably. Someone's going to take a shot at that guy just because of how good he's playing. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. This is where we're at on Frank Saravalli's Top 50s. We're grinding away here. Chilling away at, uh, at this list. Jonas Corposalo, K, Semyon Varlamov, another goalie. Alex Kerfoot, I think three and a half million is too much for that guy. Gostas Bear is a left D. Luke Shen on a bargain bin contract would be really intriguing to me, but I feel like he's only signing a bargain contract in Toronto. I think if he's going to go anywhere else, there might be a bit of a bidding war, and he probably goes above one year 1.6. I wouldn't hate him at like one year by two million, but again, is he a full-on Susie replacement? No. To me, you sign Luke Shen if you don't want Vinny DeHarnay being an everyday piece next year, and I don't think the Oilers are there. I think they got to aim higher than Liam. Yeah, I uh, I'm with you on all of those. Obviously, no goalies. Kerfoot probably a little bit too much, and the Oilers' left side is pretty busy already. You may as well just keep paying Warren Fogel. The ghost, yep. no need for him here, and then Luke Shen. Yeah, like he'd be the only one. But you're right, like. Unless the others don't have belief in Vinny DeHarnay, which to me, they've shown no sign of, of that occurring. And there's no need to bring in a Luke Shen right now. Maybe the deadline listen, goes to a shit team. Yeah, but I think he's going to sign in Toronto. Listen, like I, mm-hmm. This is almost the same thing with Carson Soucy. If you want to bring him in and play him on the right side, I think it's got to be in that Vinny spot. And maybe this is a scenario where, again, we got to talk about Broberg, right? <clears throat> If you want, I don't think they're going to move DeHarnay 750k dirt cheap. They loved him this year, but like, let's say you do bring in Susie for two and a half and you say, Hey, we're going to play you on the right side and we're not going to upgrade Cody CC this offseason. We're going to keep him and maybe do something at the deadline. And your pairings next year are nurse and CC again, which again is a mistake on the year as a whole, but they're good enough to get you to the deadline. Nurse and CC at home Bouchard. And then you're running Kulak and Susie to maybe take some tough minutes away from Nurse and Cece and allow them to thrive a little bit. That's your six. Vinny's your seven. What does a package of Broberg and Yamamoto get you from a rebuilding team? It's interesting. 
Yeah, I mean, probably probably a good little chunk, I would imagine. You'd definitely get a big upgrade in the top six. It would just be about what can you afford at that point to bring in financially. But yeah, yeah I mean, two players under the age of 22 former first-round picks. Broberg, obviously, we don't really fully know what he's going to be yet, but you've definitely upgraded on your blue line. And I think you're right. Like, I don't think it's always necessarily like you got to move out CC because of this. It's like maybe you do just need to bring somebody in behind him to to support him a little bit better and put him in better situations. And yeah. we saw it in year one, CC can be a good defenseman. There was, there was rumors that he had injuries a lot this year, but at the end of the day, he wasn't good enough when the boys needed him. But yeah, if you bring in a Susie and Kulak as your third pairing, then that's, it's a really good shutdown pairing. I would think at the trade deadline. Yeah, yeah man. Like I, I'm, I'm kind of with you on that. And I mean, you probably could keep Vinny and Broberg as your seven and eight defenseman next year, but and and I really want to see out the the how Broberg plays out. Like, I think that's a guy again, a top ten pick. If he figures it out, he's so young, he's twenty one. Like, he's been around the team, been in North America for a few years, so he's lost his shine a little bit. I don't want to give up on him yet, but I'm just saying, if you truly are pushing your chips in the middle, all of them for next year, if you're Ken Holland, last year your contract is GM, if he is indeed still the GM. I mean, maybe it's time to do that. Does he still have value? You need to make a read on this guy at some point. Either you need to commit to him being your number seven next year and playing a lot, maybe taking minutes from Broberg, but I don't know. I, I'm just, I'm torn on this whole Broberg thing. If, if you need to go all in on it, or if you need to, not call in, if you need to make that move this year, I just don't see how you're going to give him full-time minutes. I don't know. It's tough. It's a tough situation. Yeah, it's uh, it doesn't look good for Broberg right now, and I'm I'm kind of with you. Like I would love to have him here. I think he's I think he's going to be a good defensive one day. But how much longer do the Oilers have? Is is really a tale of two sides. Like financially, it makes sense to keep him. There's not really any reason to move him overall. But like if you can get something better and try and win now, then you gotta you gotta at least look at the idea and see what the market has to offer, right? So it's going to be. I think this might be the last straw for Broberg. We'll kind of see what he has. I don't see a decision being made anytime soon, I guess you could say. Yeah. Like your your left side is just locked in for the next few years with Ekholm Nurse and Kulak all under contract for three more seasons. <laughs> so if you if you're gonna move Broberg, this is the summer to do it. Don't do it mm. after another year of playing him 20 games at the NHL level, you healthy scratching him a bunch, using him as a 7D. Like this is the summer where you either need to commit to him being an everyday part of your top six or you need to move on from him. So we'll see. We will see. Uh, let's continue along with uh, going through the top 50 that Frank has up on Daily Faceoff. There's a couple of interesting ones in here. Garnet Hathaway, I really like. Four by two mil. He's a good energy bottom six piece. I like that fit. He's not a guy with top six potential, and that's where the Oilers need to be prioritizing right now. I think you can bring back a Costin. I think, you know, if you lose both Bukestad and Yanmark, then maybe you have the money to spend two mil on a Garnet Hathaway. Sure. I think he could help. He's interesting. I actually just think the Oilers, I think he gets more than this is my point. I think he could get like three by three or maybe like four by 2.5. And I think at that point, it's a bit too rich. Yeah. I mean, if you had the option to bring back Derek Ryan, I'll go with a Garnet Hathaway. Who would you go with? Hathaway? Well, like Hathaway's a better player, but Derek Ryan's going to be less than half the price. 
Um, the rest here, whatever GM gives Jason Zucker $5.4 million on a five-year deal should be fired immediately. The GM that gives John Klingberg anything close to $5 million should also be fired immediately. James Van Riemsdyk, one year by 1.8, I don't understand. I feel like this is a borderline typo. Like, that guy should be making more money. Yeah, I mean, if JVR is available for that much, the others should probably take a swing at him, I guess. Right winger, who's known to score in the NHL. It's, it's been a weird little couple of months for JVR after getting traded and not traded. So, I mean, hey, if the summer comes around, I wouldn't be surprised if there was a typo on his contract and he made like $5 million less than he should. Like, I have a funny feeling he ends up back in New Jersey, or he ends up in New Jersey. That's where he's from, ultimately. That would make sense to me. You know, they're looking for some talent with Heshire and Hughes. They might lose Eric Halla. Maybe they get Van Riemsdyk for dirt cheap. I think I would almost be willing to go three by three with JVR. Mm -hmm. Again, he's older. Like, what's it? He's 34. Three by three, I wouldn't. I I wouldn't do three by three. I would do two, a two year deal for JVR, though. Let me give you his goal goal totals the last few years 12 goals in 61 games last year, coming off a down year. No one's saying he's not. Year before that, 24 and 82, 17 and 56, 19 and 66. Then before that, 27 and 66. He's been really productive the four years before this one. I don't buy that his game has fallen off that big of a cliff. I think JVR could be a really interesting ad for this Oilers team. I, I, I'm with you. I think if JVR kind of starts falling deeper into the free agency period and he's cheaper option for the team, then... Why wouldn't you take the shot of that guy who has proven he can score in the NHL on numerous yeah. occasions? So it's kind of what the others need in that top six. I think just another player who can find the back of the net, which they were kind of missing on the right wing with Yamo this year. You give JVR 2 by 2.5 you move Yamo, you've saved a million bucks, and you've gotten a consistent 20-goal guy to plop into your top six. I, I think that could be a slam-dunk kind of move. I'm just... I'm just worried if he'd sign here is kind of my thing. I think if he's taking a low cost deal to be on a contender, he will probably do it with an American team considering he's American. Uh, let's keep moving along here. Get to 36 through 40 on Frank Saravalli's top free agent list. Pierre Engvall potentially getting $4 million. If some team signs him to four by four, I would bet a lot of money he's bought out by the end of that. David Camp is interesting to me, Liam. I think if Nick Bukestad prices him out of the Oilers market, if he gets like two by 2.25 somewhere and you could get camp for like two by 1.75, I think that's an interesting 4C for this club. Yeah, and I mean, he plays for the Toronto Maple Leafs and apparently all the free agents just come to Edmonton, so that one adds up for me too. But yeah, he's a solid little role player. You could play in your third, fourth line, whatever it may be, and contributes very regularly too for what you need him to be. So yeah, I, I would like that too if Nick Bukestad kind of budgets himself out like you said. Connor Clifton, probably not a fit here, but I like some team to take a gamble if that's his expected contract. Evan Rodriguez, I'm good. Thomas Tatar, I'm definitely good at that price. Uh, 40 through 45 now as we continue to rattle our way through these top 50 free agents. Uh, who do we got, Aaron? There you go. Ian Cole, lefty, not a fit. Nick Felino can't really skate anymore. Jesper Fast, an interesting buy low mm. candidate, had a pretty good playoffs for that Canes team. Two by 2.3 is a very stomachable contract. I'd be intrigued by him. I just wonder what his high end is. You know, like what's the most you're going to get out of Jesper Fast in an NHL season? If he plays all 82 in the Oilers' top six, 
Can he score you 20 goals? He's never scored 20 goals in his career. So I, at 31 years old, I think if you're expecting him to be like a much better Kyler Yamamoto, I think you might be disappointed. I think he's an interesting plan D, but he's far from mm. the top of my list. Is he, a, is he a penalty killer? Am I thinking that correctly? I think so, yeah. Is he your Matthias Yamok? Guy that kind of slips through, maybe you get for a million and a half towards a little later on. Like I wouldn't I wouldn't hate him to be my third line right winger, you know? Yeah. Like might be a decent one. I it that's interesting. I think he's too expensive. I I don't think mm. I think that comparison's lost in the cap hits. If you had to choose between Jesper Fast or Nick Bukestad, who would you pick though? If you could afford one of those guys. Uh do you know what I might <sighs> I might go fast because of the lack of depth the others have on the right side. You can make up on the first sentiment like Dylan Holloway could really be your fourth line center this year if you really wanted him to be. I know you likely don't want that, but if you're going to just a fast on the third line wing and maybe you get a, a Kemp, for example, you can also play the center. I think that might be more worth it than signing Nick Bukestead. Kemp and fast if they come for a combined Four million or three point five. Yeah, three and a half. That would be interesting yeah. in the bottom six if you can make the money work. But then I still think you would need to at some point upgrade on Kyler Yamamoto. So I, again, like it's, it's tough to do that. Eric Gustafson. That seems like a lot of money. Oilers don't need a left D whose main thing is offense. And the final five names on our list: Justin Hall, Sean Monahan, Jonathan Duran, Teddy Bluger. Maybe an interesting four C option for this Oilers team. And Corey Perry. Justin Hall, that feels like an overpay. Jonathan Drouin is not a good <laughs> hockey player. Corey Perry probably stays in Tampa. Sean Monahan, Liam. Sean Monahan. Yeah, I kind of thought that one too. Me. The idea of putting him on a line with like a Dylan Holloway to build up like a bottom six that can just score a lot is interesting. When he's on, he's actually pretty good. He had a nice little bounce back for a bit in Montreal. I, I wonder if he can be the player you need him to be, though. Like, how reliable could he be on the PK, winning draws and things like that? I don't know enough about how he played in Montreal to answer that fully. But just seeing the name pop up at a one-year cheap deal, I'm kind of like, damn, I, I, I'm somewhat intrigued. <laughs> you know, when I was looking through Frank's list as well, that was a name that kind of popped into my head. I was like, ah, maybe... Maybe it wouldn't be too bad. He did have a pretty good time in Montreal for, until he got injured, of course, and didn't play. But if you can get him on a pretty good deal and he's one of your bottom pair in sentiment, like yeah. worst case scenario, like someone gets hurt, at least he has the experience of being a, a top six player too. I don't think he can produce at that rate anymore, but he's been there and done it. I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind it too. And especially if he comes out here and does really well and you can stick it to Calgary a little bit as well, I think that'd be quite yeah. nice. But yeah, I think out of that group, like, That'd be a guy I'd be intrigued about. The I wouldn't be intrigued about Justin Hall at all. Jonathan yeah. Drouin, obviously gone through a lot off the ice as well. Like, I don't yeah. know if you want to put yourself in that situation. Teddy Bluger for the value, not bad. He was Vegas' 13th forward. And then Corey Perry, I wouldn't mind him here, honestly. Like he's kind of a, just not he's kind of a legend to the game, but I just don't think he's going to come here at all. Yeah. All right, there you go. There are some other names not on Frank's list that I want to bring up, but we're going to save that for tomorrow and we're going to move along. That was our short for giant offseason question of the day. Which Oilers or which players are the Oilers most likely to target in free agency? Let's get to our player grade for today, Liam. Also, 
Yesterday was Ekholm, and today was his birthday. So happy birthday yes. to Matthias Ekholm. But our player grade today brought to you by Star Mechanical. Find them online at starmechanical.ca is number 18, Zach Hyman. I honestly kind of forgot that this guy only almost popped home 40 goals in the regular <laughs> season, Liam. 36 goals, 47 assists, cracked the 80-point mark for the first time in his career. That gets him a regular season grade of an A for me. If he would have hit 40 goals and hit 90 points, I probably would have gone A+, plus. but I give Zach Hyman an even A. I think the reason I forgot that he scored 36 goals in the regular season, though, is because he was kind of a non-factor in the playoffs. Scored a goal off his face. That was good. But Zach Hyman was not the same Zach Hyman we got in last year's playoff run. And if he was, the Oilers maybe play a little bit longer. If guys like him and Kane would have shown up more consistently, the Oilers might have beaten the Vegas Golden Knights. And I don't think that's an unfair amount of criticism to put on him. He gets an A in the regular season. He gets a C in the playoffs for me because that's when this guy is supposed to be at his best. And he flat out got worse over the playoff run. Great guy. Love Hyman as an oiler. 100% chance he's back next year. 100% chance I want that guy back next year. The free agent signings worked out perfectly. He seems like a consistent 30-goal guy for this hockey club at this point if, if he plays all 82 games or close to it. But that playoff grade's got to be tough for me because he was that disappointing, Liam. Yeah, and I think, too, with the 36 goals, let's not forget he had seven called back this season as well. So, yeah, the, the A, I think, in the regular season is fair. I think he, he beat expectations by a, a little bit, too, for yep. for what you expect from him. So A is good, and I might give him a C plus because when he did show up for the team in the first round, it was kind of in big moments. Like, he had that two-point game. I think he had another couple of multi-point games, but... I think you're right in saying if he had showed up a little bit more against Vegas, then maybe the others would still be playing right now, right? So I think that's fair and obviously 100% chance of returning. But yes, next next playoff run, we need more from Zach Hyman. And if we get it, this team will go on a longer run. Your grades in the Oilers Nation YouTube chat are kind of all over the place. Some of you, like Les and Adarath, are at a B minus. Some of you, C plus. Brent's in with a D for the playoffs. So it's a little bit split. Uh, someone said, you know, he scored a, it was Ivan. He scored an OT goal. Give him some credit. i giving him credit for that. He had a couple of big games, but you need more than just a couple of games where you show up. And there was just too many nights where he was a non-factor in the playoffs, which is why I'm grading Zach Hyman a little bit tougher here than uh, than maybe I would have liked to. Aaron's saying he's given him a C- minus for uh, his performance in the playoffs. Oh. Odin says C+, because of that OT goal, it relieves some stress for a few days. That was a great moment. Comeback win mm. in LA. Hyman finishes it off in OT. I loved it. But again, the playoffs as a whole, we're not grading him on one moment. We're grading him on how he played over the course of the 13 or sorry, 12 playoff games that we got here in Edmonton. So disappointing from Zach Hyman, but all the confidence in the world that next playoff run will be grading Zach Hyman a little bit better here. Um, so there you go. There's our player grade for today brought to you by Star Mechanical. And now we get to what is quickly becoming everyone's favorite part of the show, Liam. It's the trade machine for AMA Travel. Head to amatravel.ca slash dreams to find out how they can help you create the ultimate vacation this summer. I got a deal between Montreal and Winnipeg, Liam, and it involves Pierre-Luc Dubois. The worst kept secret in all of hockey. I mean, it's hardly even a secret. Dubois more or less comes out and says it. He wants to play in Montreal. He doesn't want to sign long-term in Winnipeg. He basically only wants to be a hab. So I think this summer, they finally find a way to make that happen. And they send him to Winnipeg for the first round pick, which will be Florida's. Remember, 
Montreal acquired that pick in the Ben Sherratt deal last year. And there was a while where we thought that was going to be a lottery pick. Now it's likely going to be pick, what, 28 or something like that? So Hmm. I think that's fair. You add in Jordan Harris as a young defenseman. I think Winnipeg could want to add a nice young defenseman to that blue line and maybe freshen things up back there. Harris could slot in behind Josh Morrissey, really grow into a nice top four role. And then it could give Winnipeg the flexibility to maybe move a veteran defenseman like a Dylan DeMello. Maybe this works out for Edmonton. But Jordan Harris, I think he's the expendable piece on that Montreal blue line. You look, they have Caden Gooley. They have Justin Barron. They have a couple of good youngsters coming up on that blue line. They can afford to sacrifice a piece like Jordan Harris. They have their pick in the top five this year uh, from from their own tanking or whatever you want to call it, so they can afford to move this first rounder. If you're Winnipeg, you probably can't hold out for a ton of value in a trade, even though Dubois is a really good young player. Probably can't hold out for a lot of value because everyone knows he only wants to play in Montreal. The question is, Liam, who says no, Dubois for a first and Jordan Harris? I think this is such an interesting one because, like you said, like Winnipeg is kind of handcuffed in this deal a little bit. If if Dubois isn't going to sign, they can obviously hold it out a little bit longer, I guess, until they get more value. But to get a first-round pick and a good defenseman who has, I believe he has two years of NHL experience now, at least one full season under his belt with, I think he had around 26, 28 points, something like that. Like, it's a pretty good deal. So I wouldn't, maybe Montreal would be the ones who say, no, we're not giving you as much because they know Dubois wants to play there. So maybe the ball's in their court a little bit. But I do think this is a reasonably fair deal for essentially a second round pick in a way, I guess you could say, and, a, and yeah. a good defenseman in Jordan Harris. And then Montreal on the flip side, they want to start moving in a positive direction eventually. And if you can bring a, a Quebec player back to Montreal, I think they'll snap their hands off of that any day. So I think this is reasonably fair. Yeah. And then I think about like that top six for Montreal. Like again, you're sacrificing a bit here. It is still technically a first. Jordan Harris is a good young player, but the idea of having a bottom six, that's like Suzuki, Dubois, Slavkovsky. It's like, man, all of a sudden you're building out a team that is like really, really solid here. Um, I Sorry, I forgot about Cole Caulfield as well in that mm-hmm. mix. And also Young Demon, they got Arbor Jack guy. Uh, they have a lot of really good young pieces. Adding a guy like Dubois who's ready to go right now and can give those young pieces some support. He wants to be there. We know that. I think this is a really uh, interesting offer. And I'm, I'm honestly not sure either side says no to this one. Odin says the Jets would say no. Um, but yeah, Steven says Jets say no immediately. They're retooling, man. They, they got to stock the cupboards. And Dubois doesn't want to be there. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing, isn't it, in all of this? like, I think if you look at it like that and you take away the human element of it, it's like, yeah, maybe you want a little bit more for Dubois. But also, like, Dubois doesn't want to play in Winnipeg. And you guys got called out by your own coach last season. Like, There's, there's a lot that's going on in Winnipeg that needs to be handled. And... Just to get some fresh faces in there and some ambitious players who want to become NHL. It's not saying Dubois is kind of done with the NHL by any means, but like just fresh energy into the room. And Jordan Harris could bring that. And again, he's played in the NHL in a decent role this past season. So I think he even scored against the Oilers. To be honest, he might have scored two. So I think it's a good deal. And, uh, you know, I think the Jets would probably want a good young defenseman to add into the mix there because that blue line is getting a little bit old. But maybe if you want a better prospect, what about Philip Mesar? That's a guy who first round pick last year didn't have like a stunning year in the OHL. 51 points in 52 games is fine. But like 
maybe that's a guy who they'd prefer just because he's a prospect. But still, I, I think this deal makes uh, makes a lot of sense here for both sides. So there you go. That's a trade machine for our friends at AMA Travel. Find them online, amatravel.ca. Liam, let's wrap up the show with our Betway look around the sports world, starting in the NHL. Do the Panthers close it out tonight? Yes or no? No. I think Carolina gets one. I it's so I hard to sweep. And every game is, yeah, every game's been one goal. Like, this really could be a Carolina 3 nothing series in that game one. Was it Seth Jarvis at the crossbar? Like, yeah. It could be a completely different series. So I'll go with Carolina to squeak one out tonight and then Florida close it out in five. Catch the Jays game last night? <laughs> no, I was too busy trying to defeat Was, but I saw the score. Insane. Uh, hopefully the Jays offense has uh, woken up here. They got Kikuchi on the bump. And you know what? That Jays offense going to have to wake up. Shane McClanahan going for the Rays. 7-0, 2.05 ERA on the year. Struck out 68 batters in 57 innings. They're facing one of the best pitchers in all of baseball tonight. So hopefully the Jays can uh, go up 2-1 in their little four-gamer against the Tampa Bay Rays. NBA playoffs tonight? Is it? Yeah, Miami. Oh, wait, no. Or was last night the game? There's no play- NBA tonight, right? Tomorrow, no, yeah, uh, Thursday, sorry, Miami, the Lakers Boston. got swept. Yeah, yeah. If, if LeBron, LeBron was a real go, he'd be uh, clawing back right now. But whatever, I suppose. Um, yeah, no NBA tonight, but tomorrow the Celtics win again. Head back to Miami, taking it seven, and we're going to the NBA Finals against the Nuggets. Liam is a Celtics fan. If you are uh, not aware, I'm kind of rooting for uh, I'm kind of rooting for Jimmy Butler. I think that's a good story there in uh, in Miami that they got going on in a Miami Denver final would be very very spicy in the NBA. Get in on all the action with our friends at Betway 19 plus. Please play responsibly. Going to be do doing a ton of fun stuff with Betway a little bit later in the offseason as well that I am very excited to share in uh, hopefully the next couple of weeks here as well. Two more shows this week, Liam. Frank Cervalli's confirmed for Friday, by the way. I think Jay might hop on the show Friday as well. Also, we might talk a little NHL draft tomorrow. I'm gonna I'm gonna bug Stephen Ellis. I'm saying it live on the air. I haven't even texted the guy yet, but I'm gonna bug uh, I'm gonna bug Stephen Ellis to maybe hop on the show and talk draft with us tomorrow, Liam. So uh, yeah, we'll we'll catch up with everybody then. Same time every day, noon Mountain Time. Oilers Nation every day, live from the Sports Closet Studio. Shout out to everyone in the chat. We hit 13k subscribers on the Oilers Nation YouTube. If you aren't subscribed yet, hit that button. If you haven't liked this video yet, hit that button before you close your browser as well. Have yourselves a wonderful Wednesday, and we'll be back tomorrow. 